Hey, Seacoast family, we are excited to share that we will be participating in Serve Day on July 10, a day to serve our local communities. Everyone can participate in Serve Day. Small groups, families, singles, people new to our church family, online members, and anyone who wants to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's gonna be an awesome day. We'll see coasters across all of our campuses and those who watch online have the opportunity to demonstrate the love of Jesus by serving our neighbors. Now, Serve Day is even bigger than our church. Art churches all across the country will be making a difference in their communities. Getting started is easy. Check out seacoast.org slash serve day for project ideas, prayer suggestions, and information on how to download the Serve Day app. Now the app will help you to find projects with some of our local mission partners, or you can get together with your small group, family, and friends to create your own project. Now be as creative as you like. Start by thinking about people or organizations you want to bless and come up with projects that will work with ages, abilities, supplies, and passions of those in your group. If you can't join us on Serve Day, you can still make a difference through prayer or random acts of kindness throughout your day. You'll be surprised of how much you can bless someone by paying for their coffee in the car line at Starbucks or writing a note to say how much you appreciate them or even buying a tank of gas for the car beside you at the pump. On Serve Day, July 10th, we will gather at 9 a.m. at all of our campuses to kick off that will include a prayer and commissioning as we head out into our communities ready to serve, wearing some pretty cool t-shirts. We are excited to see how God is going to use us collectively to impact the lives of our neighbors. We can't wait to see you there and to hear your stories. Now take the first step and go to the website or text Serve Day to 320-320. All right, well, good morning, church. My name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So glad that you are here to worship with us today, and we are so excited about Serve Day, July 10th. I hope you'll put that date on your calendar and start praying into it now. You might be thinking, what in the world are we doing announcing something that is a month away? I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. That is a great question. Our goal is to have 4,000 people and 400 projects all across all of our, our campuses, many of which we are going to organize, but the majority of them, we're praying that God would give you vision for how he's calling you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It might be with your actual family, maybe with your small group or your workplace. God's going to highlight a need for you, and Serve Day is about so much more than just a day. We're praying that it would be the beginning of a movement where God would reposition us as a church after the year we've had, where we've been isolated, separated, in quarantine, we're joining in with other ARC churches all across the country, taking a bold step of faith to serve and meet the needs of those around us. So start praying about how God might want you to get involved. You can text the word Serve Day to 320-320. That'll direct you to the website to let you know how you can get involved and give you some more ideas. But before we get to that, we have got to celebrate the mamas in the house. Can you join me in celebrating all the ladies saying happy Mother's Day to you? online, at the campuses, wherever you may be. We are so thankful for each of you, and we have got a treat for you today, and that we have got a panel of rock star mamas that I'm telling you are going to bring the house down. Pastor Jenna Surratt, who is our women's pastor, leads sisterhood here in Mount Pleasant across all of our campuses, is going to be facilitating the, the conversation today. Know that these women are rock star moms, but they don't speak 
regularly. You're going to be surprised by that after you hear them. Think, surely these women do somewhere. Where did they come from? So as they're bringing the word, I want you to be engaged and leaning in, talking back to them and celebrating them. I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Jenna. Why don't you give her a hand as she comes? Good morning and happy Mother's Day. I want to take a moment to give a special welcome to everyone who is joining us online and to all of our campuses. Our campus pastors' wives are some of the most incredible moms I know. So let's give them a little extra love this morning. I have been reading through the book of Mark, and in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has just been baptized, and he is led out into the wilderness. Mark 1.13 tells us he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and angels were ministering to him. And as I read it, I thought, hmm, animals and angels. I didn't realize Jesus had small children with him. We have four children at home, and sometimes it feels like there are wild animals running amok in our home, and other times it feels like I am surrounded by the sweetest little angels. I'm sure some of you mamas can relate. About a month ago, Jason and I took our oldest daughter, Addison, on a trip to celebrate her 13th birthday, and on the way back, we had a super long layover in Atlanta, and Addison and I are always up for a challenge, so we decided to make it a goal to walk the entire length of the Atlanta airport, which is not really a small airport. Um, and as we did, we realized that they have some spectacular artwork, and we came across this National Geographic exhibit. And as we're walking along, looking at all these pictures of animals, we started comparing the animals to her siblings. <laughs> Do any of these look familiar to y'all? Maybe some of you moms feel like this. And then for, <laughs> for your kids who have had way too much candy, this is what at least mine look like. And for all the boy mamas out there, that one is for you. So for 40 days, Jesus is in the wilderness with these angels and animals, and he is hungry because he has been fasting. And Mother's Day can stir up a lot of emotions. And some of you feel like you've been in a wilderness and you are hungry. Maybe you're hungry for hope, comfort, for affirmation. You could just be hungry for a word from the Lord or some wisdom. Or maybe you're just hungry because your kids made you a terrible breakfast. We can't really help you with that. But we have pulled together a group of incredible women who are going to share for five minutes each, speaking to different seasons of life. And regardless of whether or not you are a mom, we believe that their words will speak to you. And our prayer is that you would leave here feeling full today. It is now my pleasure to introduce you to some of my friends. Like Pastor Josh said, these women are not professional speakers, but they are brave, God-loving leaders in our church. So Please hold your applause until I have had a chance to tell you a little bit about each one of them. Jenny Mayer is my sister by marriage, friend by choice. She is mom to some fabulous twin girls and a charming little boy. She has a remarkable knack for flipping furniture. And if any of you ladies have been to the Chosen Women's Conference over the past several years, you can thank Jenny because she is the woman behind the scenes making it all happen. 
Lena McElwain is a woman on fire for the Lord. She is mama to three gorgeous, grounded children. They've got two precious puppies. Her background is in broadcast journalism. She is purposeful and passionate about making a difference and serving God through whatever doors he opens. Cindy Farrell and her husband, Ray, are two of the most faithful and present people I know. She is mama to two very skilled men and two incredible daughters-in-law. They have five adorable grandchildren. She is an outdoor enthusiast, and her side hustles include photography and verbiculture. If you're not familiar with verbiculture, it's basically suburban agriculture. Julie Keating and her husband, Don, have been integral leaders with an organization called Growing Families International for nearly 25 years, equipping parents, resourcing them with tools that they need. She is a super intentional mom to five stunning children, ages ranging 16 to 24. She is passionate about health, chock full of wisdom, and has such a heart for mentoring moms. Tiffany Her might look like a teenager, but she's actually a brilliant businesswoman, mama to a beautiful daughter. She is passionate about global missions, specifically the country of Haiti. And she just so happens to be our faithful Sisterhood Evenings coordinator. And Tiffany is up first. So give all of these ladies a hand. Thank you, Jenna. Good morning. I have an amazing 12-year-old daughter named Addie. She is smart, kind, funny, loving, and way more outgoing than I am. When I was asked to share with you all today, my initial response was no way. No way am I going to get up there in front of all of those people. Addie, however, thought it was the best thing and said I absolutely had to do it. So I asked her, what am I gonna share with them? She said, easy. Tell them that you love God and you love your family, amen. So thank you, that's all I wanna to share today. I'm kidding, but really I do love God and I love my family. But my story today starts before I knew God. My plan was to have a house, a husband, and six kids. I was gonna be a stay-at-home mom that was super involved in my kids' lives, never missing an activity. When I turned 18 though, I fell in love. At 21, I had a baby, and by 25, I was a single mom. This was not part of my plan. I was not going to be a single mom. I was disappointed in the decisions that I'd made and the place that I ended up, but I come from a long line of strong and independent women. My mom is one of the strongest women that I know. But being a strong and independent woman can sometimes have its downfalls. I took the weight of the world on, and I wasn't gonna get help from anyone in any shape or form. I didn't know God, but I believed he was real. I looked at him as an authoritative figure and thought that good deeds and actions would earn me a ticket into heaven. And at this point, I didn't think my decisions were that great and my ticket felt pretty out of reach. Shortly before my 25th birthday and after my relationship ended, I made the decision to move from Michigan to South Carolina. After my 25th birthday, the day after, I got in the car with my dad who drove us down here and Addie who was three at the time. I didn't have a job lined up but somehow I knew the first thing that I was gonna do was find a church, and that's what I did. I was terrified to walk into that service, though. I felt like I had a neon sign above my head that listed out all of my shame. 
I felt like everyone would know that I was a young single mom and that they were going to judge me. It's funny to look back now and think that the enemy tried to shame me from even walking in the doors, but today I stand on this platform sharing with you all what God has done in my life. Is there nothing that our God won't do? It's not easy raising a child, and it's definitely not easy raising a child alone in a new place, but God showed me that I wasn't alone. He was and is with me. He helped me walk in freedom out of my shame. I gave it all to God, and I got plugged in at the church. I, we served on the coffee team, the nursery, and missions. I attended small groups, Bible studies, and support groups. I found a job that supports us financially and has put incredible people in my life. God gave me a tribe of women that I do life with. We support each other, we laugh and cry together, serve together, and encourage each other to run hard after who God has called us to be while smashing the lies of the enemy. They cheer me on and call out the things that God says I am when I wanna say no to things like today. I am so thankful for them and I love doing life with them. They are the family that God gave me when I was far away from the family I was born into. But still, being a single parent isn't easy. It can be lonely and discouraging at times. This is not what I had planned for my life, but I wouldn't change it because it's made me who I am today and I wouldn't be here if things had gone differently. God has shown me his plan for me and how to be strong in my singleness by stepping out of my shame into who he's called me to be, leaning into my tribe and stepping out of my comfort zone even when it's a scared yes. So I encourage you to do the same. Lean into God, step out of your comfort zone, find your tribe, and give a scared yes. I planned on being a strong, independent woman who didn't need anyone, but I am showing my daughter how to be a strong, dependent woman of God, to love, serve, and have community. And this is the best plan yet. What a powerful story. I too was raised by a single mom, and it's amazing what God can do with some of life's greatest curveballs, and we all get them. Motherhood, it's the greatest thing, it's the hardest thing. Amen from all moms, right? <laughs> I would love to say that I have the handbook we all wished came with our children, but I don't. And I would love to say that I could share in five minutes how to raise godly children, but I can't. It's impossible. I'm still a work in process, and there's no formula. But I can recommend the amazing parenting classes that Jenna um, mentioned before. That ministry uh, God used very powerfully in my family, gave us wisdom and tools, and just how-tos from infant all the way to grown children and um, I'm just so thankful for that. Motherhood. Here's a definition of mom through the eyes of a child. The one who puts my needs above her own. The one who will always be by my side. The one I can't live without. The one who knows how to make me feel happy and better on a bad day. See also saint, hero, and superwoman. Another definition, mom, 
unconditionally loving her children and doing the work of 20 for free. It's the hardest, low-paying job for sure, but it's the most rewarding. A more serious definition, mom. Giving of herself to meet the needs of others, whether they deserve it or not, expecting nothing in return, all for the glory of God and only by the grace of God. My advice today is to surrender. Motherhood is bigger than you. Throw in the towel. You can't do it alone, and it's okay to admit that. Our culture says that you can do it all, have it all, be everything, but the reality is training up our children with a love and a passion for God is a calling that's impossible to achieve in our own strength. I'm not saying give up. I'm saying give in. Lean in. Lean in to our Heavenly Father who's ready to meet you today and all throughout your day. In the kitchen, in the spills and the messes, in the laundry, in the carpool line, the soccer games, the sleepless nights, in your doubts, fears, and pure exhaustion. He will meet us in that moment and give us exactly what we need. All we have to do is stop striving and surrender. He rewires us, he refines us, and he refires us. I'm sorry, rewires us, refines us, and refires us. And he equips us. That's the amazing power of God. I came from a divorced family, raised by a rock star mom. I don't remember ever having a father in the home. Motherhood was not something that fit like a glove or even something that I really aspired to be. I was more focused on being independent, not depending on anybody, and being financially secure. I had completely different hopes and dreams for my life, but God. He rocked my world in my early 20s. Shortly after, I met my amazing husband, and we married. And we had our first baby before our first wedding anniversary. And the math works. (laughs) Within eight years, we had five children. I felt the least equipped, prepared, qualified for marriage, much less motherhood. I am a testimony of the incredible grace and goodness of God and what he can do with a yielded heart and when you cry out for wisdom and direction. Whether you came from a background like mine or even the most amazing, healthy family, we will never be enough for motherhood. Surrender. A beautiful thing happens. It is then that God pours out his abundant grace and fills us up and equips us to do so much more than we could ever do in our own. He equips us to be wise, loving, and patient, (laughs) to get through every day and every season. It is then we can release our fears and trust him who loves our children even more than we do. It is then, if we are married, we can have a Christ-centered marriage and walk in unity harmony, creating stability and security in our children. 
when we surrender, we can stay focused and overcome the whispers of comparison and defeat. We are able to see our children's hardships as opportunities for God to reveal himself to them in a personal way. And it is then generational curses can be broken. Hallelujah. And it is then the lies of culture are exposed and we can confidently parent for holiness and not happiness. When we surrender, we can run the race without growing weary. We can get back up, show up over and over, day after day. It is only then when we surrender, when we throw in the towel and we raise our hands to our Heavenly Father, we tap into a supernatural power that enables us to be the super moms that our children think we are and the supernatural moms needed for this high calling. Surrender, throw in the towel. It's been a number of years ago when I was a young mom, but I remember so clearly those feelings of inadequacy. I used to worry about what our relationship would look like with our kids once they were grown and not living in our home. I can tell you we have great relationships. So for the moms who are younger and worry about what life is gonna look like later, I wanna give you encouragement. A lot of what we worry about usually never comes to pass. Speaking to my generation, I want to encourage us to create environments that invite connection with our adult children. Eight years ago, my uh, family and I started doing what we call family dinners. And this was born out of a conversation that I had with a girlfriend where we were looking to have better connections with our kids. We saw them pretty often, but it was sporadic. Last minute attempts to get together were really difficult. So between us and all the schedules, things just didn't work out the way we wanted. That's where the idea of family dinners came in. Pitching the idea, I knew I wanted to make it something that my kids would want to come to. Initially, we met every week. As the grandkids' schedules got busier and I got older, frankly, um, we now do our dinners every other week. From the beginning, we wanted to make a couple of things clear about these invitations. First, that it truly was an invitation and not an expectation. We wanted them to want to come, but we didn't want them to feel pressured to come. We wanted them to believe we truly wouldn't hold it against them if they chose to go do something else. We also wanted them to know that they were welcome to come just as they are, without feeling criticized or fear of being um, judged. You see, our family is multiracial. I grew up in Japan. My father is Asian, my daughter is Hispanic, and my brother-in-law is African-American. You add to that, my husband was born and raised in Texas. <laughs> so, we don't all vote alike. We don't see social issues the same. We have different backgrounds that come, that means we come preloaded with different ideas about what a family should look like. If we were gonna get these family dinners going and keep them going, 
we knew that we needed to aim for unity without demanding or expecting conformity. We're a work in progress on this. We're learning to learn from each other. We're learning to hear each other out. And we're learning to accept our differences. You know, watching the grandkids, just watching them naturally work out, I'm sorry. Watching our grandkids naturally interact with each other has made us want to be better. They're always super happy to see each other, and they're real accommodating. The young ones just emulate the older ones, and the older ones are patient, and they're kind, and really sweet to the younger ones. They fight, but when they do, they're quick to get over it. And oftentimes, we find ourselves as adults telling the kids, hey, you guys need to share. Go work it out, and don't forget to take turns. When we're gonna tell our kids those kinds of things, we better be acting it out ourselves. Another thing these family dinners did was change me personally. It helped me learn to communicate with my kids better and to respond better. It also put a spotlight on my need to be willing to see my role in the family change. You see, my kids are adults and they have children of their own. It's so easy to go back and fall into the roles that we should have graduated from. I have to check myself on this pretty often. You know, sometimes it's hard to hold back your opinions and wait to be asked before you say anything. But when you show your kids respect, things go so much better. You know, stay in your, staying in your lane while driving together requires some skill. We still bump into each other, but we're all trying to do, all trying to become better drivers. My motivation for sticking with these dinners, even through tough seasons when it would be easier to quit, is because it gives me the opportunity to tell them the stories of how God has moved in our life, to tell them how God provided for us in difficult times. We want to point them to Jesus, and we want to encourage them to develop their own faith a faith that's strong enough to stand up against opposition long after we're gone. Psalm, 80, uh, Psalm 71, 18 is one of my favorite verses, and it reads, let me proclaim your power to the new generation, your mighty miracles to those who come after me. I've shared with you how we've benefited and grown through our invitation to our kids, but your family may not live nearby. Your ways of communicating or connecting may look different. Maybe it's Zoom calls. Maybe it's playing a game of house party online. Your invitation also may be to your friends or your neighbors or your small group. Whatever your invitation looks like, I encourage you to make that invitation. Invest the time. I promise you won't regret it. Today, I honor God, and I definitely have to pay tribute to my mother-in-law, Geraldine McElwain, because she was an amazing mother, an amazing grandmother, and I'm just so blessed that I had her in my life. We're missing her today, and I know a lot of people are missing moms that are not here for this Mother's Day. 
So I wanna talk about them. I wanna honor the fact that they are the ultimate seed planters. That's what moms do. They plant seeds. They don't just sow seeds. They dig deep and they plant seeds. I remember being a little kid and singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but God is strong. And then Jesus loves the little children, all the children in the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Remember those songs? Well, my divorced single mother taught me those songs. She planted the seeds of faith in me. I also vividly remember a big yellow school bus that drove through my apartment complex. It came and picked up all the little poor kids and took us to church. And the bus driver said, if you memorize John 3:16, I'll give you some candy. That's all she had to say. So for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That seed was planted. But if I'm honest, I'll have to tell you, those seeds weren't fertilized and they weren't watered because I was dorm dormant. I was bogged down with insecurities, doubts, fears, shame and guilt, childhood trauma, past mistakes, painful circumstances. They all meant it so I never felt like I was truly loved, valued, or appreciated. I struggled with a low self-esteem my entire life. I was in a drought. But thank you, Jesus. God planted my family in the Garden of Seacoast. Woo! And we are now blooming. How does your garden grow? How do you bloom? Well, there are three things that I had to do. I had to seek, trust, and delight. Number one, seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Number two, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path clear. And delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Woo, I had to change some things. But I'm standing firm on the promises of God. For the first time, I am living the scriptures that were planted in me as a child. The seeds started blooming when I planted myself in the right soil. Small groups, Bible studies, the word of God was my fertilizer. But the more I grew, I have to be honest, the more I was being tested. The enemy would not leave me and my family alone. There was anxiety, depression, stress, torment. We were struggling, we were broken. but I had to learn how to fight my battles. I got on my knees and prayed. I fast. I was fighting for my family. They call me the crazy Jesus lady because I, I really was running around the house doing some supernatural things. But here we go. The storms kept raging. In October, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. We were told she had one week to live. Five days later, my husband and his sister held her hand as she took her last breath. It was a devastating loss. But my husband used his pain to push me. He urged me to go to get a mammogram. I did. Exactly three months after my mother-in-law passed away, 
I was diagnosed with breast cancer. But cancer could not steal my joy. And I have no doubt that Mama McElwain is rejoicing with the Lord. Her death saved my life. Because God turns graves into gardens. If you allow him, God uses our pain to help us change, evolve, and grow. Now I look at myself in the mirror and I see blossoms. I am who God says I am. If you're hurting today, allow the pain to fuel you to your purpose. Push your, and push you closer to Jesus. Whatever you're going through, God can use you. In the most difficult times of your life, when you turn to Jesus, you will find peace, joy, and comfort. Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. He is enough, you are enough, I am enough. So let's keep planting those seeds of love, kindness, and faith because they will bloom. I've seen it firsthand. Because last year, in the midst of all the madness of 2020, all three of my children were baptized. Thank you, Jesus! So amazing. Sitting in the cold, dark room of the theater, watching a movie I couldn't tell you the name of, I heard the Lord speak to me so clearly. The word faith dropped into my heart. I heard it so vividly and I couldn't shake it. By the time the movie had let out, I had come to my own conclusion as to what this word faith could mean for me. See, Ben and I had just found out we were pregnant with our first child. We were giddy and full of excitement. All I had dreamed of as a kid was growing up to become a mom. We wasted no time in starting our family. It took us a little longer than I expected, but a year and a half in, we were finally pregnant. So as I came out of the theater that day, I remember sharing with Ben what the Lord had said. We were having a girl, and her name would be Faith. That was my best interpretation of the word God had given me. Little did I know that was not how this was going to turn out. Just a short time later, I found out the pregnancy was not viable, and we lost the baby. The word faith came back to mind, and I quickly realized my interpretations of this word had been wrong. We would go on to lose two more babies and begin the long road of infertility treatments in order to start our family. Not the perfect picture I had in my head. We were heartbroken and defeated. Everyone around me was becoming pregnant, and all the while, I was lost in a gripping fear that I would never become a mother. Here's what I know. There are some of you sitting in this audience today that are in that same place. Mother's Day can be such a painful, um, can be such so painful during this season of waiting. You muster your best smile and throw on your best dress, but inside you're deep in grief and bitterness and anger can creep in. Here are a few thoughts that helped me during my season of waiting and I believe they can help you too. First of all, you are not alone. Don't allow yourself to isolate. When we feel pain, it's our natural reaction, isn't it? We feel shame or embarrassment or just, uh, it's just too painful to talk about. But I promise if you reach out, you will find so many women walking this same road. In fact, there's a sisterhood group starting up um, right now that's designed just for you. I joined a group during this season, reluctantly, I might add, but it was the best thing I ever did. 
It gave me so much support and an army of prayer warriors that I believe helped move heaven and earth so I could eventually go on to have my babies. Don't forget your faith. This was really hard. I began to question if God really loved me. How could this be my story? It felt so cruel and unfair. But as I leaned further away, the harder it got. Eventually I realized I had to come to a place of full surrender and trust him with the outcome. You know, he's not waiting to punish you for a past mistake or sin or withhold a good gift from you. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So hold on to that hope. Believe that your day is coming. Don't put walls around your heart to protect you from your desires. You know, it's okay to desire to become a mother. You have permission to yearn for a child. Pursue and knock down every door. Stop at nothing and recruit prayer warriors to walk it out with you. Just as Christ is relentless in his pursuit of us, so be relentless in your pursuit of a child. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. It may not be in your timing or the way you thought it would go, but if the desire is there, just keep pursuing it. Maybe you're called to be a spiritual mom and mentor younger ladies. Maybe you'll foster or even adopt. I don't know, but I do know this. He is faithful to complete his good work in you. The morning I found out I was pregnant with Breck, our third child, I was in Colorado on family vacation. Ben and I had been secretly doing fertility treatments. We wanted to surprise our family. I woke up early and knew that today was the day I could take a pregnancy test. Ben went to the drugstore and I got up to do my morning devotions and just so happened to be reading from Psalm 113. I couldn't believe the words that I read that morning. Verse nine says, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. He had given me the desires of my heart and he will do that for you too. Do not let go of hope. It will carry you through. So this Mother's Day, I will celebrate being a mama to my three precious ones. I will also celebrate my mom, who is an outstanding woman and deserves to be celebrated. But I also wanna celebrate the mamas who have yet to hold an earthly baby in their arms or have experienced the unthinkable loss of a child. I celebrate your courage and your bravery today as you face this day. You are heroes in my book. For, the, for most of you, the phrase Mother's Day brings about the painful reminder of your loss, but I know this, you are mothers nonetheless. Your heart has loved deeper than you ever thought possible, and you have experienced pain like no other. It is my honor to pray for you as I remind, am reminded of your struggle. I celebrate you and your little angels in heaven as I also celebrate my three angels. You are brave, you are fierce, you are fighters, you are strong, and you are mothers. Would y'all join me in giving these ladies one more round of applause? <laughs> like Lena, my own mom battled cancer. And while it felt devastating at the time, it propelled me forward into a relationship with God and the plans he had for my life. I wanna encourage you that no matter what you are facing, put your hope in God, because when we do that, 
he can use our greatest trials for his glory. If you've never made the decision for Jesus to be Lord of your life, don't wait. He has plans for you in your life that are immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. Romans 10, 9 says, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, like everyone else, I have sinned and fallen short. Thank you, Lord, so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross and raising him from the dead so I could have a relationship with you. I commit my life to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.